0: Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked, Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.
1: Good morning. I'm excited to be here sharing with you guys um, this morning. I just want to start with prayer. Um, Father, we just pray that you would speak through my words this morning. Um, let us hear your love, um, let us hear your voice. We need you, and we love you, and we just ask that you would show up in your name. Amen. So I have to be honest with you. We talk about being a family on mission. I had like an out game plan on this morning that um, like when Joel asked me in January, I was like, sure, I'll do this. But I had in the back of my head that if I chose not to, I could just have Michael like fill in for me instead. And then a month ago, Jewel put our pictures up, and I was like, oh, crap, that's not going to (laughs) work. So I knew about a month ago that you were going to be stuck with me. Um, Anyway, this psalm, um, as we look at it, the first thing that kind of came to my mind was, um, have you ever asked yourselves questions like this? Who am I? Um, Why am I here? What's my purpose? Do you ever think to yourself, where is my life headed? Are you working hard, feel like you're not getting anywhere? Do you ever feel underappreciated, overlooked, underpaid, even unnecessary? Um, I think if we're honest, we have the thoughts of, does my life even make a difference sometimes? Does anyone really know me or care about me? Um, And I think if we're really honest, we would recognize that we all struggle with this at times in our lives, And sometimes, where do we go to get the answers to these questions? You know, I think oftentimes we go to what the world says. I'm kind of cutting out here. Lower. Is that better, guys? Lower. On the mic. Is this one on? There we go. This is even better because I use my hands a lot, so... Let's go with this. Perfect. (laughs) All right. I was actually thinking. I kind of need two hands. So all right, this is good. (laughs) So anyway, when we ask these questions, I think sometimes we take the answers from what the world says. Maybe it comes from um, our identity coming from our jobs, maybe it's from our kids, maybe it's from our performance, and the list can go on and on. Um, the challenge with all these things, if that's where our identity is coming from, is that they're always changing. They're like shifting sand. Um, and if these things are devi- deciding our worth, I can tell you, and I've seen it for myself, we will never be satisfied in that place. Um, but I believe that God has a message for us today in Psalm 139. And I believe he wants to show us a different story and a different picture for your life. He wants you to see the meaning of your life from his perspective. And that's what I believe this passage is all about. Um so we can answer these questions. And Psalm 139 has been one of those defi- deciding passages in my life. Um, it's really, it's, I love how the services kind of build up to this place and everything fits in. And kind of what Joel said, he has no idea what my notes were saying, you know. Um, and also the other, this is just a side note for you, but just seeing the Holy Spirit's confirmation in this was that I really thought, I really want reckless love. But I'm like, I'm not going to tell John what to play. <laughs> and, um, and I looked at the notes. I'm like, oh, how cool is that? It's like a little hug from God. Um, but I can honestly say as you know, we look at this in this passage, you know, for myself. Um, this passage and these truths of who I am in Christ has changed my life as I've learned to believe it. And I was a Christian for a long time. From the time I was young, i given my life to Christ. But it's been in the past couple years and through the role and work of the Holy Spirit that I've come to a place of believing this. Um, and it was funny because I was looking back, and some of you may not know this, but Michael, um, my husband, and I used to do the youth group here a really long time ago. Um, and Joel was in our youth group <laughs> his wife. Um, it's really kind of funny. And, but I was thinking about this. I did the, um, the high school girls were who I led. And this passage, this is going back like 18 years ago. I made them and myself memorize this passage, and I put it on a bookmark for them. So I have had this passage memorized and in, in my heart for a really long time. But I can tell you that it's a difference in taking it from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And so, um, anyway, so we're going to dig into this. And the cool thing is, and I know we've had you know four weeks. This is four, week four of the Psalms, so we've had a lot of introductions about the Psalms, and. Um, This is another psalm that was written by David, and um, it can be divided into four movements, and it's six verses each. So it's really kind of easy to follow, and it gives us an outline. And for you guys, I don't know about you, but so these are, if you guys have a bulletin in front of you, grab it quick. Um, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But there's probably not enough for everyone, but Kiara, I have extras, okay? So if you want to follow along here, for me, I like to hear it. And I like to see it on the screen, and I like to write something down. That's just how I learn. So um, if anybody wants one, just raise your hand if you don't have one. um, They'll come around. They'll give you um, one of these. And on the back of it, so the whole passage is on there because I like to have something for you guys to take with you. But on the back of it, there's um, some fill-in-the-blanks. And if you don't fill them in, you're not going to have the answers because I didn't put them on there for you. So. Um, anyway, so if you don't want to fill them in, it's up to you, but I would encourage you to do that. So um, so if we look at the first paragraph here, the first six verses, I believe that David in these four paragraphs is asking himself some questions about his relationship to God is what he's looking at here. And so the first question I have um, for the first six verses is, how well does God know me? Um, And that's the first blank on your handout if you have it in front of you. So in verses one and two, he says, You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. Um, I love this part of it. It says, When I sit, when I think about that, that's our passive life. He knows us in just sitting, our passive life, and he knows us when I rise. He knows us in our active life. Then it says in verse two, It says, You perceive my thoughts from afar. This is God knows our subconscious life, he knows what we think about. and then in verse 3 it says you discern my going out and my lying down you're familiar with all my ways um in, this is just the intimacy of the father everything about us he knows he knows us inside and out so it's just this picture that he's developing and then we continue on and in verses 4 and 5 um david realizes that god's concerned about him and if you look at this it says before a word is on my tongue you know it completely even before I say a thing, God, you know it. You understand my words. You communicate with me. And then in verse five, I just, I love this transition. We see how active God is in our lives. And um, this verse, it says, You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. And I just want to stop at this passage, this verse for a minute. Um, when it's talking about, it's talking about how active God is in our lives. And when we look at this in verse five, it says, When it says, You hem me in behind, it's the idea that that's the past. So he sees our past. And then it says, and before. That's our future that he's talking about. And then it says, you lay your hand upon me. That's our present. So he's got us in our past, our future, and our present right now. What a beautiful picture of what he is. Um, and this is such a cool part of the passage. Um, when it's saying he laid his hand upon me, there's just this beautiful picture um, of a practice that was done in the Old Testament. And the practice was was that a father would place his hand on his children and he would speak words of life into them about their lives. And he would say who they are. And he would say who they will be. And he would explain to them what their place in the family was going to mean. And he would also give them blessing about what their future was going to be. And this was one of the most important things that happened in Hebrew families um, back in this time. And we have a picture here of this same thing, that we have our Heavenly Father who's knowing us and he's blessing us. He comes to this place out of the great love he has for us. He's, blessing, he's putting his hand on us and he's saying, I have this place for you in his family. And he tells us what our future is all about. In God's family, we are all somebodies, we are all important, and we are all needed. What a beautiful picture that is. That's just one verse that we can cling to. Um, and then in verse 6, which I agree with this, as I think about all that in verse 5, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to obtain. David is overwhelmed by the fact that God knows us better than we know ourselves Um, it's amazing to think that in this vast universe and all the great power that God has that we are intimately and uniquely important to him Um, and this thought has been that thought that has radically changed me over these past couple years and I really think this is where I needed the mic so I'm glad that I'm glad I don't have to be holding one here but um, I really think we can you know kind of think of God in two different ways. We can think of the God who created the universe, who's vast and who's omnipotent and omnipresent and just this this bigness of who God is. Um, On one hand, we can think of that. But then there's on the other side of it, there's the idea of the love of the father and the intimacy and how well he loves us. And, you know, I think both are right and good views, but I think sometimes we may tend to grasp one more than the other. For me, it was a lot easier for me to understand the greatness and the power of God. I honestly, it took me a long time to really understand and grasp the intimacy and that he loved me deeply and he wanted me. And so I think we have to hold both these ideas in balance um, in seeing that God is great and powerful, but also that he's intimate and loving. And I think when we do that. Um, each of these words in verses one through six convey to us a different layer and level of God's knowledge for you and his love for you. God knows your heart. He knows your fears. He knows your thoughts. He knows your motives, your dreams, your frustrations. He knows your past, your present, your future. He understands you. He notices what's going on around you and what's inside of you. It may sound a bit unnerving actually when we think about it, right? Um, But this is so cool. God knows but still loves you. Amen. Right? (laughs) Um, Here we see that when David realizes this in verses 1 to 6, how well God knows him, he has a reaction kind of like what we might. How can I escape? How can I get away? Uh, Where can I hide? If he knows all that, he knows I'm a hypocrite. He knows my lies. He knows what I did. He knows what I did last week. He knows what I did last night. And this may be a scary thought. Um, so as we look at that, we're going to move on to the second section. And as David reflects on this, um, he says, "Our second question says." Um, how close is God to me? And this is in verses 7 through 12. I'm just going to read this section of this. Um, It says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So as he's reflecting on all of how well God knows him, if I make my bed in the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings in the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. If I say, Surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God won't let David run away, right? In his grace and his mercy, God always knows where David is. God is, not, I was thinking of this analogy, God's not trying to be a helicopter parent. I said parent instead of mom, but we all know it's the moms. Um, he doesn't want to point out everything that we're doing wrong, um, but God, rather God's determined to give us grace and be intimately involved in our lives. And here's what David's saying. He's saying it in verse 10 when he says, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And I love these two points in here when he's saying the hand will guide it's giving direction. You know, God's saying, I'm going to give you direction. But then the right hand is going to hold on to me. That's security. Isn't that cool? God's giving us security and direction at the same time. Um, you know what this means, don't you? It means that we are wanted by God. Over and over in the Bible we can pull out these scriptures where it's affirmed. We are called God's beloved, beloved, his chosen, his dearly loved. We are told that nothing can separate us from the love of God. When you feel the crushing weight of loneliness, when you wonder if you would even be missed if you were gone, remember this God knows you and he wants you. We often have secret thoughts that kind of go something like this If people really knew who I was, if they knew that I did this, if they knew my heart, they wouldn't love me. But God's love never changes. On my worst day, in my worst sin, He loves me the best as on what I would consider my best day. Now that's radical love. So then looking at the third area here, David's asking the questions, this is your third blank, um, of how did God create me? Um, And some people might say, well, this is beautiful poetry. It all sounds good. God knowing us, being with us. But how do I really know that this is true? You know, what makes this true? Um, And I think that this is why David is trying to get the answer to this. Um, And he's saying, let's look at the way our bodies are designed. Let's go to that place and let's see um, how true this is. And if you look at verse 13 and 14, it says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. David here is examining himself. He's looking at the complexity of his body. Have you ever stopped to think of how complex our bodies are? Um, Imagine if you were depending, you're dependent on something that you have no control over, right? Your body, you don't have to tell your heart to beat. You don't have to tell yourself to breathe. If that was the case, we'd all be dead. Um, But pay attention to the words, it was God who knits you together in your mother's womb. It's this picture of of intricate detail and this coming together. And um, it was fun because when I was thinking about this passage and it had the word knit in it, in the version that I was using, um, I was thinking about my mom. And my mom is an amazing knitter. Um, And so, and it's funny because I am not. She's tried to teach me. It hasn't worked out so well. So I just when I decide I want something. Um, and it was kind of fun because when she really got into this was when I got pregnant with um, our oldest, Grant. And when she found out we were having a baby, she decided she was going to knit. I don't know. I guess you feel like if you're going to be a grandma, you should knit. And so she learned how to make um, these little teeny baby sweaters. That was the first thing that she made. This older woman in our church taught her how to do this. And um, And so when she decided, anytime she decides she's going to do, a project, whatever it is, she goes to the store and she picks out this perfect yarn, whatever the color is, you know, thinking about the person or whatever, and she picks out the yarn, and then she goes to work on her creation. Some things are small. They may take a couple hours. Some things take d- days. Some things take even weeks. Um, but she has to have an attention to detail. And there's just a really cool thing that she's decided to do. And actually, I'm not sure if my kids know this yet, but I don't know. Um, if she told them or not, but they're going to find out now. Um <laughs> Because I'm telling you guys. So, um, but anyway, she decided that she was gonna knit an Afghan for each of her six grandkids. So we have four, my brother has two, so there's six grandkiddos. So she's gonna was gonna knit an Afghan for each of them that she would give them on um if she's around or when she's gone, they're you know, tucked away, um, that they would get on their wedding day or when they're grown. Um and so It's been um, a labor of love for her. She's been doing this for the past couple years. But the beautiful part of this is as she knits each stitch, um, what she has done and what God's laid on her heart is that she prays for that grandchild. And she prays over their life. And she prays over their future. And she prays over their future potential spouses and what God has for them. And it is a beautiful picture Um, of just a sampling of what God's done. And if this is the love of a grandmother, an imperfect love of a grandmother, imagine what this looks like for the God who created us and loves us and has knit us together. What a beautiful picture. Um, And if you notice in verse 14, David is saying, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The cool thing is, is that the adverb that was used in this sentence Um, shows that after God made you, he threw away the mold. There's not a second one made. You are unique. You are one of a kind. You have awe-inspiring skills that God put into you right down to your unique thumbprint. That's how unique you are. And then we look in verses 15 and 16 where it's saying, my frame was not hidden from you. Uh, When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. The frame is the foundation of the body, the bone and the muscle system. This is where the body begins to pull itself together with the frame. Um, And in the Hebrew, there's a word there that's, um, they put those two words together. The version talks about intricately wrought together. And that's actually in the Hebrew, it's one word. Um, And it describes the things that tie us together, how one organ supports another. The lungs need the heart, the heart needs the lungs, the liver needs the kidney. All the parts are amazingly tied together um, in a beautiful picture. And then we move on to the end of verse 16, 17, and 18. It says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. The Hebrew word the Holy Spirit had given David to use here. Indicates that God has created every single opportunity of our lives. What a cool picture. That he has created each day. He's tailoring circumstances. He's establishing boundaries. And he's fashioning opportunities for his glory and my good. What a beautiful picture. But God doesn't just set the plan in motion and look the other way. All right. That's not, it's not like the picture of the watchmaker where it puts the watch in motion and then doesn't look again. Um, His thoughts are on you constantly. I want you to hear this. Each morning God gives us fresh mercy and new opportunities. He is there with us throughout the day. He never leaves. I forget he's there. You know, I turn my back. But he never does that. He loves our company. And he has specific plans that you alone can fulfill. There is no one in history like you. He gave you a unique personality. He gave you innate abilities, spiritual gifts. He gave a particular purpose that sets you apart for him. You are his treasured creation. You are made in his image. He knows you. He wants you. He made you. Um, So now we head into the last paragraph, which takes a bit of an abrupt turn. You may have noticed as Andrea get it. And to be honest with you, I actually was thinking, Hmm, maybe I'll end at verse 18. (laughs) I was looking at it. Um, And, but, so in your blanks here we have, you know, he's asking the question, do you know my struggles and do you search my heart? Um, It just seems that ending before this would be neat, clean, and pretty, right? But life isn't neat, clean, and pretty, is it? Right? We all have struggles. We all have things that are pressing on our hearts and our minds. And so, this really is the nitty gritty of once we get to the place of understanding how we are made and how God sees us, then now we can get to, like, okay, this is what's really going on. Um, and so, for years, I thought this part of this psalm was really strange. Like I said, I did this, you know, I memorized it, I gave it to people to memorize, we looked through it, and I was kind of like, I don't really understand this part of it. But now, I see a richness and a fullness um, that takes place here. And I love how raw and real the Psalms are. And for a lot of my life, I just didn't understand that part of it. You know, I really um, just couldn't understand what was going on there. And I loved, a couple of years ago, I started reading, um, I know we have some Tim Keller fans in the room they have been like going through his sermons and love it. So um, I love Tim Keller. I'm a big fan. And he and his wife, Kathy, wrote a book on the Psalms, and I highly recommend it. To, it's a year of going through the Psalms. But I heard a, um, a, a talk that Tim and Kathy had done, and um, they talked about writing the Psalms and what they intended in the Psalms. And I love this thought um, because the Psalms, in their original intent and how they were written and, and in their rawness and realness, Um, they're like a bookend of emotions, okay? And so when we look at them in their original language, we see, I mean, they are like the God go get them kind of psalms. Like, I don't understand what's going on. I'm mad. I'm angry. This is ridiculous. And I am just, I'm at my end. You know, and you see this. If you read them, like that's what you'll see in there. So they're way out here, okay? But then all the psalms except for one come to the other end of the bookend, and they say, but I trust you. And is this beautiful picture? But we in our Western culture have moved it into here. So on this side of things, we're like, it's not that bad. I'm fine. I just forgive and forget. It doesn't work, right? We know that. And then on this side of it, we really stay in the place of, why'd you let this happen to me? This is ridiculous. You know, and we don't say this out loud, but you know, oftentimes it's in our hearts, and we're really not in the place of like, I trust you with this. And so my hope for you is that as we look at this part of it, that we can come to the bookends of our emotions, that we can go to the raw places, and like David's going to show us, and that we can come out of the end saying, but I trust you. Um, and I think this is the model that says we're allowed to be honest with our pain and our emotions. Um, Many have asked, why does David seem to all of a sudden inject these bloody thoughts? (laughs) He's saying, Lord, kill the wicked. Um, This has troubled a lot of people because it seems so far from the New Testament where it's saying, love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you, do good to those who injure you. So we may be at this place of kind of this juxtaposition, you know, in our minds of what is going on here. Um, But this is not God's will or truth that's being put here. It's David's honest question. And that's okay. Here we see that David has reflected on God's love for him. So we've had all these verses, you know, these three movements of David reflecting on God's love. And now he is able, out of that place, he decides he's going to ask God something. And this is what we ought to do when we're aware of being near to God. Then we can ask him for something in that place. And David asks him for two things. First, he asks God to take care of the problem of the wicked. Uh, The way he thinks God should handle it is a little rough. (laughs) He says, God, wipe them out, you know. Um, Have you ever felt that way? I have. (laughs) Like, I'm like, just take them away. Like, let's just be done with this person, and we'll go from there. Um, You see the honesty? Like, honestly, it's refreshing, and it's freeing. Um, God doesn't want us just to smile in the hardship, like I said, and say it's all good. He wants us to be real and honest with our pain and our struggles, because if we're not, we're never going to get to freedom. And I believe that. We have to be, get real to get God's perspective on what we're going through. In his honesty, he says, Lord, it seems the easiest way for you to handle this problem of his evil would be to get rid of the wicked. Why don't you do that? Okay, I'm just putting it out there. So, um, And then notice he doesn't say, why don't you let me do that? Isn't that cool? He recognizes that vengeance belongs to the Lord. okay? And he says that if anybody's going to do it, And do it right, God has to do it and he has to do it alone. He's not saying, Lord, let me handle this. He's saying, Lord, it's your problem. Why don't you do it? And I see here this beautiful picture of relinquishment. And that's one of the things the Lord's been teaching me over these past couple years, um, is the prayer of relinquishment. And this is just a little side note, like a little extra for today. Um, But when I think about Jesus and I think about him in the Garden of Gethsemane, um, he says, Not my will but yours, and that's the prayer of relinquishment. He didn't want to go to the cross. That was not his desire. He knew the pain. He knew what it would take. But he says, if that's the only way, I'm going. And that's what he's desiring of us. He's saying, can we trust him in the midst of what we're going through and say, I'm relinquishing this to them. Not my will, not what I want, but I want what you want because I trust that you know better than I do. We can see we see that David felt the hatred of God against sin here, but then it transitions because David realized he doesn't have the love of God for the sinner. And how many of times do we feel like that? I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm hurt. I don't feel God's love. I don't have God's compassion for the people that are hurting me. And so here's what David's going to, and I think that's why he concluded with these words. He goes into the end of it, it takes this abrupt change again, you know, and he says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What an amazing, wonderful prayer. How much more should I pray like this, right? Lord, I don't understand what's going on around me. My solutions may not be the best or even wrong. But Lord, I trust you to lead me. Reveal the sin that may lie undetected in my own heart. Guide me in a way that leads me to fullness of life. What a beautiful picture of where David has led us to. And I hope that as we've looked at the psalm, the intricate details have begun. um, You've begun to understand the depth of the love of the Father for you. He knows you. He pursues you. He made you with a purpose. He wants to live out those plans with you each day if you let him. When things go wrong, When you're falling on the ground, he's got you. He wants to hold you in his arms. He wants to carry you to the finish line. My question is, will you allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the radical love of the Father to you? We can't do this on our own. The Holy Spirit inside of us, indwelling in us, can give us a picture of what the Father's love is for you. Take time today if you're feeling stirred, if you feel like you want more, if you feel like I know the head knowledge of this love, but man, I don't know, it just hasn't hit my heart yet. Don't leave today without letting us pray for you. Letting us just pray over you, the Father's love. And I can tell you that is a prayer he answers. He says, when you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. Um, I just wanna ask you this question. Will you allow yourself to hear his still small voice? He says, I'm so glad you're my child. Take my hand. Let's run this race together. Amen.